0: And we're going to be in John chapter 14 today. You can turn in your Bibles or turn on your Bibles there. We are focusing on the faithfulness of God and what he's been to us. And this verse right here really is how we have anchored ourselves to what God is doing in our church. It's just a couple verses that I want to read for us this morning. John chapter 14, verse 12 through 13. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. What I want to speak about for the next few minutes that we're together is three things. One, I want to talk about greater belief. Two, I want to talk about a greater sign. And three, I want to talk about greater glory. Would you pray with me for a minute? Lord Jesus, you are the object of our attention right now. And so you have it all. Presence of God, would you meet us here? Change us, convict us, prompt us. Father, if this place is a place where you want to dwell, it's a place you want to be with your children and you want to meet with your church. And Lord, if you're not glorified in any other place, be glorified in this place. And if you're not glorified in any other heart, be glorified in this heart. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday? In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Yet still greater. We're focusing on the Lord's faithfulness and this text really highlights um what God was doing in the person of Jesus throughout his ministry, but really highlighting the last week of his life. Here, where we find ourselves in John chapter 14, is Jesus now is in Holy Week, Passion Week, the last week of his life on earth. And actually, in John chapter 14, this is his last day on earth. He's spending it with his disciples, and he knows that in the next few hours, he is about to be put on trial, he's about to be accused, he's about to be convicted, and he's about to be crucified. And he's spending his last few moments with his best friends. And really these three things that I want us to think about today really come in the form of a formula that Jesus gives to his disciples. We know that the last few words that people say in their life are some words that we should hold on to. And Jesus is giving his disciples some of his last words right here. What? I really believe that God wants us to focus on is those three things, believing for greater belief, greater signs and greater glory. And the formula I believe Jesus gives us is believing is how it's going to happen. Greater signs are what will happen. And for the glory of God, the father is why it will happen. Really simple. Believing is how things will happen. Greater signs are what will happen, and for the glory of God the Father is why it will happen. You see, John chapter 13, right before this, what we find is that Jesus has one of his last encounters with his disciples. He spends time washing their feet as he is about to be crucified. He goes to Judas and he says that you are going to betray me. Judas leaves and he's on his way back right now in John chapter 15 to betray Jesus. Peter, in this moment, Jesus says that you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter says, I would never do anything. And then Jesus says, I'm going to be crucified and I are going to kill me brutally. And then we get to John chapter 14, verse one. And the first thing that Jesus says is, but don't be troubled. And sometimes I I look at Jesus and I'm like, you just said that Judas is going to betray you. Peter's going to deny you and that you're going to die a brutal death, but don't worry. (laughs) He says, take heart. And what he says is, I want you to believe in me. This whole chapter is full of promises and full of faith. Jesus is talking about what he's going to give them, and he's talking about how they need to believe in him. He's saying, don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And Jesus' formula that he's saying as he's leaving is he's simply saying this. I want us to leave with this. We believe in Jesus Christ for greater things to the glory of God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ for greater things to the glory of God the Father. If you leave this service today believing that we believe in Jesus Christ for greater things to the glory of God the Father, it will be a good day. If you live the rest of this month saying, I believe in Jesus Christ for greater things for the glory of God the Father, I will be very happy. Why? Because I believe that this is the formula that Jesus says, this is what I'm going to leave with you. Believing in Jesus Christ for greater things to the glory of God, the father, a greater belief. Sometimes I really believe that we substitute believing in Jesus and believing in Jesus. We're Christians. We live in a Christian nation. And so believing in Jesus is a term that so many of us are so well acquainted with. It's kind of just normal vernacular. And we say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Of course I believe in Jesus. And some of the people even in the scriptures would say, Lord, Lord. They would say they believed in Jesus. But Jesus wasn't just getting at, do you believe in me? He's saying, do you believe me? Do you believe what I say? Do you believe I will do what I say I will do? Because I really wonder, what would it look like if you actually believed every word that Jesus said? Would your life look any different? If we actually didn't just believe in him to save us, but we believed every word that he said. A greater belief. They were still asking Jesus to prove themselves. It was Actually, Jesus made this whole comment that you will do greater things in response to Philip's question. Jesus is talking in John chapter 13, and he's speaking, and he's saying, "Um, if you have seen the Father, then you have seen me, because I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. If you believe in me, believe in him. Also believe in the one who sent me this pretty explicit sentence of I am God. I am divine. I am different than you. And you know what Philip says right after that? He says, well, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus looks at him, and he says, do you not even know me? You've walked with me for three years, Philip. Do you not know me? If you've seen me, you've seen him. Do you believe me? Believing in Jesus might say we trust in him as Lord and believing Jesus means that we trust his promises. See, this statement is all about Jesus saying, do you believe me? You know, your belief is not the only thing that matters. It's also what you believe in. And that your um, passion or authenticity or vigor of your belief does not make what you believe in true. Just because you believe something really hard does not mean that it's true or even has any power. If I believe that it's raining Mountain Dew right now and that the moon is made of cheese and that I can bench press 450 pounds, that doesn't mean it's true even if I really believe it. And the issue that our country and some of our mindsets are is that if I believe it, then it's true. And I start to define myself. I start to define my family. I start to define my country. I start to define my job. Ju- I start to define everything I do because I really, really believe it. But it's not just about the passion of your belief. It's about the object of it. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. I believe not just in myself. I believe in Jesus. This is a church that believes in Jesus Christ as Lord. He is exactly who he said he was. And we set our faith firmly on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. It is not about a man, a speaker, a song, a worship team, a stage. We believe you will not be saved by this stage. This stage has no power to save you. It has no hope for your life. The only thing that will save you is the object of your faith when it's placed in the person of Jesus. And so we set our faith on the only thing that can actually hold it. We become so hopeless sometimes because we're setting on our faith, really, really strong faith in really, really weak places. And it's breaking, and we're wondering why we're so anxious. It's because you have a really strong faith in a really weak place. But what what if we would have even just a weak faith, even just a hope, even just a thought on the person of Jesus? (laughs) Jesus says, if you believe If you've seen me, then you've seen the father. If you've seen, if you believe in me, then you believe in him because I am in him and he is in me. And as Jesus is saying this, describing himself and God as one, I can only imagine that Jesus is looking at them and thinking about the history that he's had with these men and women for the last three years Where he's looking at them and he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you've seen me open blind man's eyes, you've seen the father. Do you remember when you saw me walk on water? You saw the father. Do you remember when you saw me gather crowds and preach the good news of the gospel? You, You saw the father. Do you remember when, with a few words, I stopped men with stones who caught a woman in adultery and caused them to drop and caused her to be restored with just a few words? When you saw that, you saw the Father. Do you remember when they brought a few people to me on a mat and they were looking for healing, but I gave them forgiveness? You saw the Father. Do you remember when you brought me water and I made it wine? Do you remember when you brought me loaves and fish and I fed thousands? Do you remember when I touched lepers and they were healed? Do you remember when I called sinners out of their sin and they followed me? When you saw me, you saw the Father. And Philip is saying, show us the Father. And he's saying, do you not know me? A greater belief is what Jesus is calling them to. It's not about the strength of your faith, but the strength of what your faith is in. <laughs> you see, belief in faith, it is the currency of heaven. You cannot do anything in the kingdom without faith. You cannot even please God without faith. The Bible says you can be in this room right now, giving money, raising hands, saying amen, leaving and talking about the message. And if you don't have faith, God is not pleased with any of it. But if you have a little bit of faith, he smiles upon you. Greater faith he's calling us to. And the word um, that Jesus uses here is this word, um, let me say it right, pistuo, pistuo. Pistuo. And it's this word for belief or for faith. And if you look in the New Testament, this word pistis or pistuo actually is the word that is used in the New Testament essentially for faith or belief. But as I was studying this word, I I realized that it is only ever used by Jesus or referencing Jesus. This is the only time this word is used. And you know what this word literally means? This word, pistis, means to be persuaded by. What that lets me know is oftentimes we take this pistis, this faith, and we put it on, on our own shoulders. We take "peistis" away from God. And Jesus is saying, do you believe in me? Remember all that I've done. And it makes me really consider if this word means to be persuaded by, this type of belief centers around, originates with, and grows in the person of Jesus. Our issue is when we take belief off of Jesus' hands and put it back into ours. Did you know that you can't even believe in Jesus without Jesus? So what I understand from this word pieces is that I, it is not my job to persuade myself to believe in Jesus. It is Jesus's job to persuade me to believe in him. So I'm sitting here now and saying, Lord, I'm not going to try and force my way into a greater belief. I'm going to remember what you told the disciples and say, if you have seen me, you've seen him in me. We are one. It is the greater belief to be persuaded by God than to persuade yourself. It's a greater belief. It's the only word that's used by just by Jesus. in reference to Jesus. It's the type of belief that is all encompassing around him and not just what he can do for you. I believe that sometimes we miss God's heart because we're looking for his hand. And because he didn't do the thing that we wanted him to do, we're missing the piece of character that he's trying to show us in the action that we're actually trying to get out of. This isn't the situation I want to be in. This isn't the place that I want to be. This isn't the blessing that I asked for. And we're missing a piece of God because we're looking in the wrong place. He's trying to reveal himself to us and take us to another level of faith, but we're looking for his hand instead of his heart. (laughs) It's a greater belief. It's a greater belief. Which results then, um, we see in greater signs, Jesus says. He says this, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. A huge promise. You will do greater works than Jesus did if you believe in him. We believe in Jesus Christ for greater things to the glory of God the Father. And he's saying, if you believe in me, you will do greater things. And, and this this term, greater things, it's not the greater that we think of. Greater, we think of greater as like sensational, and greater as better, and greater as what I deem as greater. But what if God's greater and your greater look different? What if what if God's greater? And your version of greater are different than each other. What if your greater, what if God's greater is actually taking you through the heartbreak? And that's how you get to greater. Or or, or what if God's greater was actually him shaping you in the middle of a horrible relational circumstance, and on the other side, you will be greater? No, it doesn't add up. That's That's not how I get To greater for me, greater is ease, greater is luxury, greater what if greater is actually you never being as rich and successful as you thought you would be, but for the glory of God. What if your greater and God's greater are different? Because sometimes I believe we look for his hand, and so we miss his heart. He has a greater sign. You. There's greater things for you. And greater in the kingdom might actually look like being less in the world. If you look at how Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, it was completely different than every single other kingdom. It was upside down. Jesus would say things like, anyone who wants to be great must be your servant. He would say things like, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Jesus will say things like, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus is the man who says, I am God. Let me wash your feet. The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. It's totally different than the way that we think greater should be. Bishop says it like this. He says that the way up in the kingdom of God is down that if you want to be elevated in the kingdom of God, guess what your next assignment is to get lower. To be a servant, to be more humble, to not look for where you can be seen, noticed, recognized, and appreciated, but actually to be willing to be a servant of the least of these. He says that the way up is down because you realize ultimately when I see him, I realize who I am. I realize who he is, and then I rightly see myself, which does not elevate me. It brings me lower, and I start to get on my face and on my knees, and I start to pray and realize, Realize that there's no way I could do it by myself. What if greater in the kingdom of God looks like less in the world? It's a greater sign. <laughs> it's really hard to do greater than what Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus um, healed lepers, walked on water, calmed storms with a word, casted out demons. He even raised people from the dead. Like you can't do much greater than those things. And here's my thing. I believe that this greater does mean to an extent for us to do miracles filled with the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. We are a spirit-filled church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We practice the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that God is still doing miracles. He's healing people. I speak in tongues. I hope you do. We love the Holy Spirit, and we will believe that he's going to do miracles. Paul said, oh, you didn't know that the Spirit actually gave you gifts, and then he touched them, and they were uh, uh, <laughs> received the gifts of the Spirit. They start speaking in tongues. Paul says, I don't just come to you with words. I come to you with power. I believe that God wants to show himself in power and that's not the only thing it's not just so we can be sensational and impressive it's not just so that you can do a really cool thing and have a really cool story i believe that god wants to do miracles in the church absolutely and i don't believe that greater that jesus is talking about is better miracles i don't believe that he did great ones (laughs) I believe that Jesus is saying, you will do greater as in the kingdom of God will not be better, but it will be more. When Jesus was on earth, you know how many disciples he had when he died? A few, not and those few ran away, but you know what happened? As soon as Peter was filled with the spirit, his first sermon, 3000 people get saved. You know what happened when Paul was filled with the Spirit and he gave his life to Jesus? He took the gospel to the Gentiles. Do you know what happened to Thomas, Doubting Thomas? He took the gospel to India. Do do you realize that the greater that Jesus was talking about might not be in that you will do better miracles than I did, but the gospel will go further than ever before? It's a greater sign. And this is exactly what we pray, that God would have his way. It's in the Lord's Prayer. We think about it all the time. We pray about it all the time. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We believe that. We pray it. We say it all the time. But some of our biggest issues, I really believe, is that we beg for the kingdom when God calls us to bring the kingdom. We say it all the time. God, I need you to fix this. You need to do this. God, we need your help. And that's great. But are you bringing the kingdom with you? Or are you just begging him to change your circumstances? We're in a place where we're saying, man, God, you need to help the children of this nation, Lord. And somebody asks you, do you want to coach Little League? Nope. (laughs) What? Coach Little League and bring the kingdom to Little League. We're in a place where we're saying, man, our country needs Jesus. We were a Christian nation. We're not a Christian nation anymore. Well, yes, our country needs Jesus. Don't just beg them in our country. Bring them to your conference room. You're saying, okay, well, no, like the children, the next generation, what are we going to do? Like, I don't know what's going on. They're so far away from Jesus. God, we beg. Would you do it? Well, are you praying for them? Are you meeting with them? When was the last time you shared your testimony? Listen, the gospel says that we are now a temple of the Holy Spirit, which means that you, 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 and you are carrying him wherever you go. And so what we don't need to do is beg him where he's asking us to bring him. There are places in your life, in your family, where you work, everywhere around you, where you're saying, God, you need to show up. He's saying, well, why don't you bring me somewhere? why don't you tell somebody about me why don't you pray for somebody why don't you fast not just when the church tells you to fast whoops <laughs> i'm having too much fun he's saying we beg god for so many things and god is asking say why don't you bring me somewhere You're a carrier of the spirit. Where you go, God goes. And where God goes, things change. So where you go, things change. Walk in the authority that God died for you to have. We need to bring God. It's a greater sign to bring God. We do this in Jesus' name. Listen, I've been in this church for 27 years. I love this church. I'm going to die in this church. It's my favorite church I've ever been to in my whole life, even though I wasn't allowed to go to another church when I was a kid because my dad's a pastor. But that doesn't matter. I love it anyway. (laughs) This is the only one I got, and I still choose you. And I've heard all the stories. I've heard the stories of marriages who came 35 years ago and they said, man, we were broken and nothing worked. And all of a sudden we met God and our marriage is amazing. I've heard the stories of the prodigals who were far, 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 far away from God and they came home. I've heard the stories of people who are trapped in addiction and they said, I've been doing this for years of my own strength. And all of a sudden I got into community and the power of God fell on me and now I've been free for 17 years I've heard the stories of people who come to church like Jake and Courtney 11 months ago get in a small group start serving get and lead well get baptized become a member all right every I've heard the stories and I still believe for yet greater I believe that God is still going to heal marriages, that he's still going to reconcile families, that you have a prodigal who needs to come home. They're on their way. I believe that addiction that you've been trapped in, it's not going to hold you. I believe that God is still moving and that there are yet still greater things to do. And why? We believe in Jesus Christ for greater things to the glory of God, the father. That's it. That's what we're doing. It's the thing that Jesus told us to do. And it's, it's this beautiful truth that um, in Luke chapter 15, signs, wonders, miracles, great. I love them, do them. And what I've realized as I've been reading the scriptures is that Luke chapter 15, Luke uh, 15 verse 7, uh, it says that, did you know that heaven rejoices when one person receives Jesus. There's a party in heaven. When somebody gives their life to Jesus, heaven throws a party. They're so excited. And this convicted me because sometimes I feel like we don't prioritize the thing that heaven prioritizes. And we prioritize more when somebody gets a miracle in the healing or when somebody gets free from addiction or when somebody is uh, like a reconciliation or maybe when and, and those things are great. Or maybe when we do something great with grace loves, like all of those are great. But you know what the Bible doesn't say? It doesn't say that heaven rejoices when you give food to people in need. It doesn't say that heaven rejoices when you heal somebody. It doesn't say heaven rejoices when you get free from addiction. It says that heaven rejoices when somebody gets saved. Listen, Jesus did all of those miracles. And I believe we will do those miracles powered by him. And guess what? Lazarus, the woman with the issue of blood, the demoniac, all the people that he healed, they still had to die. One day, all of their healings and all of their miracles, they still had to die. And I believe that heaven prioritizes salvation because even if you don't get healed here, You'll be healed there. And so I'm going to prioritize what heaven prioritizes. And what the scriptures teach me is that heaven says that salvations are greater than signs. I love signs. And I don't believe that's the only thing that Jesus is talking about when he says greater I believe he's saying greater might mean more salvations, the gospel going further, the kingdom of God coming to earth, and not just the sensational, amazing, charismatic things, but it is the mundane things. I preached the gospel day after day after day. I prayed day after day, and my cousin came to Jesus. Greater things, greater signs. (laughs) And all towards the end of glory to God, the father. That the father might be glorified in the son. This is why Jesus says this. If you want to know why God does anything, here's the answer. So that the father might be glorified. That's why God does anything He uses everything for the glory of God the Father. Pastor AJ preached an amazing message a few weeks ago to all things. And he's saying that God uses all things for the good. And all things God can get glory from. God will get glory from everything. Anything in this whole month, what we are focusing on and the biggest pitfall that our church would fall into this month is that we would receive the glory instead of give the glory. Our biggest failure would be getting through this month and saying that was fun. That was cool. Those were great messages. That was a fun event. We gave a lot of money and a lot of people showed up that would be a failure why because we're getting the glory the biggest failure of this church would be to receive the glory that isn't ours you know what you know what jesus said Just two chapters before, he was talking to uh, 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 the people who had unbelief. He was talking to Pharisees and authorities. And it says this in John chapter 12, verse 42. It says, nevertheless, many, even the authorities believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, John chapter 12. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. We will never be a church that loves the glory of man more than the glory of God. There will be no thing. There will be no initiative. There will be no plan. There will be no song, no album, no sermon series, no idea, no preacher, no evangelist, no prophet, no serve. There will be nothing that we prioritize over the glory of God. And we will never prioritize the glory of man over his glory. He's the one who deserves it. And here's the thing, even if we didn't, he's gonna get the glory anyway. We can't stop him from getting the glory. It said that if we don't do it, you know who will? The rocks. God's gonna get his glory. It's going to happen. And here's the thing. It's not an insecure God. He's not one who say, man, I really need it. Please give it. I really want your attention and your affection. No, he's not an insecure God who needs your glory. He's a confident God who chose you to give him glory. And now it is your responsibility to make your life a living sacrifice to God. Because of what he has done for you. And even if, I'm about to read, even if he didn't do another thing, he still deserves the glory. And you still need to give it to him. Jesus can get the glory from anything. (laughs) Jesus can come as a baby on earth and get the glory. John says it this way, for God to get the glory, what it might require of me, he said, I must decrease so that he might increase. What if for God to get the most glory out of your life, you have to become less significant? Would you do it? If it costs you your reputation, if it costs you your job, if it costs you your influence, if it costs you your friends, if it costs you your money, if it costs you everything, would you do it? Because John says, I'll do anything. If it means that he can get the glory, forget me. Ignore me. Leave me. You, hey, forget me. Go to Jesus. Don't come to me. If it took everything from you to give him glory, would you do it? God can even get glory from death. He died on a cross and still got the glory. And we're sitting here in this room. And I'm saying we will always be a church who prioritizes nothing else. The initiatives are great. The services are great. The worship team is great. Hopefully the preaching from this stage is great. I pray that it feeds you. I pray that you're filled. I pray that you see him. But I'm telling you over and over until you believe it, this stage can't save you. It is for the glory of God and God alone. And if God's not glorified in any other place, he will be glorified in this place. And if he's not glorified in any other heart, he will be glorified in this heart. That's the responsibility of this church is to glorify God. And that's what we're going to do until from the beginning, right now in the 40th, until Jesus comes back. And if he's not back, I'm going to glorify him here. And when he comes back, I'm going to glorify him there. So I'm going to get used to giving God the glory day after day after day after day because he's the one who deserves it. And Pastor AJ read it, Ephesians 3. It says this, it belongs to him. He says, to him be the glory. In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever amen, to him, put this word, put this month in two words. you know what it is to him that's it. This is our thank you card to him. This is our love note to him. This is our God, I love you to him. This is thank you to him. that's it. That's it. That's all we're doing day after day after day. Because he's going to get his glory. He's going he's to get it from this place. We believe in Jesus Christ for greater things to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, be glorified in this place. Be lifted up in each and every heart. God, in each and every family, would you get the glory? And would we focus all of our attention on you? That you might be glorified in everything that we do. That you would get all of the attention. And the minute that somebody looks at Grace Covenant Church and says, you guys do great things. God, make us quick to say God does great things. You do great things. You do great things. To you, Jesus. To you, to you, to you.